Welcome everyone to Behind the Mask Week 3.1 as we weren't able to unfortunately get you guys this podcast last week. So we're going to try again this week and hopefully everything goes well. Uh, yeah, Behind the Mask Week 3 in the basement of Holden Hall for WDBM Impact 89 Sports. I'm your host Oscar Henderson along with my co-host Sydney Isham and Cooper Evans. Guys, how are we doing today? Michigan State hockey is looking a lot better after the first game of the series, but um, excited to be back. Excited to be back. Uh, yeah, had a lot of hockey this weekend, covered both games, um, was a little disappointed with one game, and was a lot happier with the other result. <laughs> Definitely. So we have a loaded slate here to get to you guys. We're going to start where we always start off with our college hockey slate. We are going to talk about the hometown team, Michigan State Spartans, with a series split Against Penn State, uh, the first game, of course, as we know, Michigan State ended up blowing a 3 nothing lead to Penn State, and Penn State ended up winning it in a shootout to the one. The second game, though, did definitely go better for the Spartans as they did end up winning 5-3 to in regulation. I want to talk about that first game more than <laughs> I really do the second game. Um, it That was a rough one. I mean, we were there live uh, calling it on the sports stream. And it was it was rough. And the one thing I noticed, too, that was, you know, absolutely ridiculous for that game. The O'Connell in I'm sorry, it was the O'Connell. What what else is the line? It's O'Connell. Gavin. O I think Mueller. it's Mueller and uh, no, I'm thinking about the first line. It's well, no, whatever. Our top line. production. Yeah, no, top, I'm thinking about the first. Line. Our top production like, line that line. we, our top production line that we have uh, on our team: Gavin O'Connell, Red Savage, and Joey Larson combined for zero oh, yeah. points uh, in that game. And obviously, if your top line is not performing, you're not going to win the game. Mm -hmm. And that's what we saw happen against Penn State. And we knew going into the game that Penn State was one of the best teams defensively. Of course. Uh, giving up only 29 shot attempts a game, but it the the offense just didn't really seem there. And really, the only time we scored was on Penn State mistakes. It wasn't really on a set offense that we really scored on. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on the game at, uh, right now. Yeah, um, I mentioned um, this in <laughs> the article that I wrote um, about Saturday's game. But in the first game on Friday, it was a lot of dump and run. I know that's something that you also it was mentioned it, on on both sides too, not just not just on the MSU side, there, but Penn State had a lot of dump and go get it as there well. There was too. like very little like refined hockey played. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of passing either. It was a lot of clearing it down the <laughs> ice, chasing it, only to get your stick back on it and clear it back down the ice. Because, I mean, I feel like a lot of the teams were, like, afraid to go, you know, one-on-one -on -one with each other. So they would just, first opportunity they had, clear it back down the ice. Which led to a lot of icing calls. And I think Cooper mentioned that there was, like, 60-some face-offs. There, 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 there were 64 so face-offs. many face-offs. Which is... I actually have that number I somewhere. mean, you're averaging, like, less than a minute per Yeah, keep, um, keep track of how many times I said face-off in our... Uh, live broadcast on Friday. <laughs> it was it was a lot. I I, I do have call. I do have the number. Uh, after three periods of play, we had sixty six total faceoffs. Sixty six total faceoffs. Lots it's, of icing calls. There's only sixty minutes of play in regulation. If you're taking sixty six faceoffs in sixty minutes, that's so that's a very little actual play. 
that that game was almost a snooze fest, like the halfway through. And Oscar, you did bring up that Michigan State capitalized on three mistakes that Penn State made, like especially when uh, Michigan State picked the pocket of Penn State's goalie Noah Granin. I mean, I think that was um, Isaac. Uh, that was Ike who picked the pocket and set up Daniel Russell. And there was another goal by Michigan State to put it, I believe. 3 nothing, where Ike scored again. So there are a lot of big mistakes by Penn State, but they were able to keep they were able to keep control, keep composure, and play a full 60 minutes. Definitely. And, I'm, I mean, I want to mention this because of the fact that we have to play one of the best defenses in all of college hockey next week in Wisconsin. I, I mean, do you think the the reason that we just do, – do you think it was Nightingale trying to avoid that Penn State defense with his uh, – dump and run tactic and I mean are do we think we're gonna see it against Wisconsin next week and if so is it do we really think is it gonna have any success or do you think we need to go back to having maybe a little bit of a set offense here and bringing it up and try to make plays through passing in the offensive zone I don't think the dump I don't think the dump and run was very valuable over the weekend I noticed that I just I just think it's a very kind of boring hockey type of it, play it, it it's kind of it's hockey that sort of like I, I want to say it's not a set exactly. term of hockey. Like it's, it's not more, set hockey. It's... it's more letting your skill players go and get it, and whoever's better is going to end it's, up with the It's puck. whoever's got the speed yeah. exactly. to, to be. And I mean, and, and really, again, looking at this Wisconsin defense, I don't know if you're going to be able to compete with that. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to compete with them if you play that type of offense. There are a lot of fast skaters on that Wisconsin team, especially on the defense. They act like a brick wall, and especially with their goalie with a nine four five save percentage. I mean, like nuts. Yeah, you, 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 you can't. You, that's not going to work. You have to be. You have to play confidently if you want to beat a team like that, especially this caliber and this part of the season, who has looked as like the most defined team in the country so far. Cooper, you were the only one of us who went to the press conference after Friday's game. What was Nightingale saying <clears throat> after all this? Like, I want to know. I want to know Nightingale's reaction because I, I actually do want to know too. He's yeah. Okay. Pretty so pretty blunt. I feel like he'll accept when they have a bad game, and he'll be like, "No, I didn't like how he played." Oh yeah, he was very honest. Um, he, he I got a quote in one of my in my uh in my writing uh on, on Friday when I wrote about the game. He said, "Obviously a tough loss." Like as he opened up, like after like he debraced for the conferences. Obviously a tough loss. We learned a tough lesson playing in a good conference. Uh, another thing is we had a, we had a lead there and obviously gave it up and those are tough moments but an opportunity for growth. So I see I feel like he's optimistic about this situation and I mean they be, they bounced back the day after and they were able to stick they were able to stick a they were able to stick it up and get the win on Saturday. So I, I feel like he this was I feel like this was mu- not like a we, we we he he believes that he believes in his team. I I believe that he. I've heard it like in press conferences. He like the guys oh, know yeah. the guys yeah. know when they definitely screw up and where they need to like work. So I mean, Nightingale didn't seem mad at all. He accepted it and he just wanted to build off of it. So that's what I like about him. He isn't like oh we we got we got beat. Oh well, but he's but he's like he's a guy who like will use like a bad loss and build especially after the Boston College sweep you saw with uh they, they traveled to Columbus and got the sweep against Ohio State I mean Ohio State I don't know if they're very good this year but <laughs> they went on the road and swept a team for the first time since 2016 on the road so I mean he uses those losses as growth that's what I like about I him. I definitely agree I think um 
I think he's very honest with his players. I think you, there's such mutual respect between him and his players. And um, I talked to Gavin O'Connell about this, and uh, he was asked a question about why he chose, why he decommitted from Minnesota Duluth uh, and chose to come to MSU. And he was talking about how when he worked with Nightingale at the National Team Development Program, he just felt so much love from Nightingale, and he like genuinely cared about like improving him that he was like it was a no-brainer to go to MSU. And I think in the second game, they definitely learned. Maybe not in the first period, because Nightingale was pretty vocal about the fact that he was not proud of the first period of the second game. It was, it wasn't too bad, but it just like, it wasn't, it wasn't cute. Um, And Tanner Kelly had mentioned that they need to play full 60 minutes against Wisco, because they only played two good periods of hockey in the second game and he was like they need to play three periods i don't want to like i don't want to like trash your team right now but you've seen i've seen like at at like the home games like especially like the early series is like they play two periods and then kind of like get away from their game the third period You, you hear nightingale in the press conferences say we had two good periods i like how we played the first two periods there's a lot of that in the press conference you don't hear him a lot all the time talk about full 60 minutes but this is a this is a series where they have to play a full 60 minutes of hockey or else if you play two good periods and one bad you're still not going to win definitely so i mean we'll see how it goes next weekend against Wisconsin again both of those games are going to be on or one will be on friday and one will be on saturday we will unfortunately not be able to call it um real bummer there but we will definitely talk about it on next week's episode of behind the mask um we are going to move on to talk a little bit about rankings right now um new rankings came out today as michigan state does stay the same at 11th but michigan has a little bit of a slip here going from 8 to 12 after a split series against minnesota and wisconsin New number one now as we go into talking about one of my one of my favorite stories right now in hockey. Maine hockey looks like it is fully back right now. A team that has sort of struggled to find its stepping uh, since 2011 or late 2000 or early 2010s. Ben Barr finally looks like he has this team back as they had a huge series split against the number one team, Boston College. Um, I. I love the, the the main environment is absolutely incredible. The hockey arena was insane on Friday when they beat um, Boston College. If you guys see, if anyone sees videos of it, please do. It is something so special to witness and one of the best college environments I've I've ever seen personally. But what what a huge win for for Maine here, and what a way for them to sort of say, hey. Not only is Providence, BU, and Boston College one of these top dogs in the Hockey East, but we're going to throw down a little bit here, too. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on what happened in this series. And it can Maine really compete with uh, some of these top teams in the Hockey East? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, I, they've definitely proved against going against Boston College and not only winning against Boston College. I mean, they, couldn't, they didn't really sweep because they did go to a tie, but even going to a tie against Boston College... And then overtime, they did end up losing the shootout they, in they game lost one, a shootout, three to two. But, but that's insane to even get that far against Boston College. I mean, we saw with MSU; those were just two regulation losses, and this is a a, a regulation win, and then a tie, a tie, and then you know loss, which 
it sucks, but it sucks a lot less than an actual regulation loss. And I think that that's um, a pretty big feat against to go against such a big team like that. And um, I think they've definitely been proving that they're a very good team. And I'm surprised they're not ranked higher than they are. They're nine in the country. They're they're pretty high up. They're pretty there. high, but I I'd like to see them a little higher. Um, yeah. Uh, going off what Sydney said, like, yeah, the, this is very impressive to see like what Maine is like bringing to the table, and and like when you brought uh, Oscar too, like they can. I think they can compete with like these East teams, like like Boston College, BU, and Providence, who's number five in the country now, who still continues to play at a top tier. Um. You, I'm, I'm going to go away from Maine a little bit and kind of like go to like the trend of the number one team in the country. You saw Boston BU at the beginning of the year. They kind of struggled. Then you saw Minnesota. They got swept by Wisconsin, who's now number one. And now and then Boston College, who didn't win a game. But, I mean, they won the shootout, but that will go down as a tie and ties. But um, you see a little bit of a trend with the number one team. I'm not saying that Wisconsin, that Michigan State's going to come in and sweep Wisconsin. That'll be a that'll be a good. Oh, one can wish, but <laughs> yeah. anything's possible. It seems like right now. But I like Maine. I mean, I I I don't really pay attention to Maine as much as I think I should right now. They're six one and one, sitting at nine in the country. They look good. I think they look good. I think I'm going to pay pay attention a lot more to this Maine team after putting themselves from the radar last this week uh, last weekend. No, definitely. And like I said before, this. Main team is one of the most storied programs, and they found themselves a little bit struggling these past couple five years. They've only made one NCAA in the past, uh, one NCAA tournament in the past uh, couple years. They fired their coach, Red Gendron, in 2020, and now Ben Barr comes in. He has a little bit of a horrible year in his first year, but then 15 and 16 and five his first year, and now he has this team at number nine in the country and six one and one. I mean. It's a what a turnaround for this team, and I mean, especially for, like I said, such a great hockey program in Maine. It's really exciting to see when they're good, and especially with their again hockey arena. It is absolutely ecstatic to watch really good Maine hockey, and they they are definitely doing it. And we are we are gonna really see uh, this weekend, especially if they got it, as they are gonna go to Boston University this weekend for a series against Macklin Celebrini and the Terriers. I mean. There's not a lot of sports to root for in Maine. I mean, I feel like you, I mean, you got to root for like the like the New England teams, like the Patriots, the Red Sox, and those teams. So it's nice. It's it's a feel good story to see a college in Maine be so successful so early, and like it's a feel good. It's it's a good feel good story um, to see Maine like back on top because of how how they struggled in the past years and how, what like their coaching situation and. Something that I need to like tune into a lot more. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely. So it'll really be an exciting series to see this weekend against Boston University. We're going to move on now to another team that is sort of surprising a lot of people this year. Arizona State with a statement series they had against Denver this weekend. They won their first game against Arizona or against Denver 6-5 to five in overtime, beating the number two team in the country and then lost in regulation last 4-8. to eight. But... Man, what a first game that was for Arizona State against Denver. And we've been talking about this team all year and how they just continue to surprise people. Again, first year in, first year in actual NCAA Division I college hockey. This team was a club team for a long time, fighting their way into getting into uh, actual Division I hockey. And now they did it. And not only did they do it, but they're also dominating college hockey as well with a 7-2-1 record. I mean... 
Yeah, so at the time, Denver was number two at the time. They've, of course, dropped after um, that that loss in the first game, but only to number three. So they're not, it's not hurting them too hard. But to go up against a college ranked that high and to split the series, again, it's like, it's kind of that main situation. Like, you, nobody expects you to get, like, far enough to even split the series against a top dog like that. And they did. And to think that last year, a lot of these guys were just club <laughs> players, like, that's insane to think about. Like, they are good, they are obviously good enough to be D1 athletes, but they were regulated to <laughs> club. And the fact that we've been waiting this long to see these guys on the main stages is insane to me. I do, I do agree with that. And one player that does stand out to me on this team is Dylan Jackson. He's a senior from Ontario. Going from Canada to the Sunshine State in Arizona is very is a very interesting move there, but uh, he scored a hat trick in Game One against the uh, against the Pioneers. So um, he has he had four goals on the weekend. Um, some a player to look out for in the country right now. He 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 has four goals in two games. So uh, a leader for this team, if I say. I mean, uh, this team is good. I mean, despite the loss, despite the eight four loss, uh, game two. I mean, it's Denver. You're gonna get real good hockey from Denver, but. Um, for a team that came from club hockey to take down a top dog in one of their first years on the on the national stage is quite impressive. I really like the story of this team. No, definitely. And another thing I want to touch on is I, I, I want to beg the question because, again, we've seen this team have really, really impressive wins throughout the year so far. I mean... Do we really think that this team can is NCAA tournament bound? I I mean, they got a long road ahead of them. They do still have to end up playing Providence, Dartmouth, Cornell, um, and then a couple other independents that they are going to go up against. But uh, again, looking at their schedule, if they can get a couple more quality wins here, if they can have a good series against Providence and a good series against Cornell, I, I don't see how you really can leave this team out of the tournament. I I feel like um, the series against Providence next weekend is going to be kind of the telling thing. Because if you can get two really sustainable wins um, against top dogs, such as Denver and Providence, if you can do that, then there's not a lot that you can't do. Um, and they're going to see some other... <laughs> Some other pe- some other teams that are going to be. I, I did hard. not want to mention the uh, the Alaska and Alaska Anchorage games that they have to end up playing. Um, yeah, I I think they should end up winning those games handily. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. they have a, they have a couple other teams that they're going to be playing. But I think once prop like how they tune against uh, Providence, I think that'll be kind of telling for how it might go against Dartmouth and then uh, Cornell. Um, and I think just, like, one really good win is not enough. But once you start getting into a, a pattern of some really nice, hefty wins, then I i mean, I don't think that it's out of the books for them to make it to the NCAA. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I mean, one sustainable win is not enough. But, um, yeah, going to Alaska a few times, I mean, they play Anchorage twice and they play Fairbanks twice. They also got a – a desert hockey classic coming up in uh, next year, in 2024, to start it out. They got UMass, they got Lowell, they got Harvard, and they got Omaha. Um, yeah, I 
I think if they can solidify them, if they have two solid or if they win those two games, yes, put them on the map. Absolutely put them on the map. But um, <clears throat> a lot, lot of time left to see what happens. I mean, they, they're looking like a top dog right now, in my opinion. Definitely. So we will definitely keep an eye out on Arizona State and see how they do throughout the rest of the season. We're going to move on now to another top dog that's been doing pretty well so far this weekend. North Dakota gets a big series sweep against former 18th ranked team, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, in this game, in this series, North Dakota only gave up two combined goals, um, and both of those two came on Friday night as they blanked Minnesota Duluth on Saturday night. I, I mean, we've been talking about how good this Wisconsin defense uh, is for uh, the Badgers, but we really got to start looking at North Dakota's defense as well as maybe, if not, it, it, if not as the same, only slightly below that Wisconsin ranked defense. I mean, they they are playing lights out right now against some really good offensive teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you look at that uh that boss the BU series they um they split uh last weekend. I mean, they lost they lost I mean, they Macklin Celebrini, I mean, like he is the guy to watch on Boston, future number 1 overall pick and he didn't get a single goal over the weekend, but um I mean, in Boston it's hard to win. Um a very very rough environment to go into to go into uh, Massachusetts and and sweep a team with a bunch of prospects. I mean, this team was number one to start the preseason. A lot can change. They can they can make a comeback. But I mean, they're playing a bunch of really tough teams. I mean, they played Minnesota. They played Wisconsin, and they Wisconsin's only loss was against North Dakota. Um, this team is so underrated. I don't I don't understand why they're not getting the attention they have right now. Um, I mean, they're number two in the country, obviously, but we don't see a. I don't hear a lot of talk about North Dakota. Uh, they played Minnesota State, who made the national title a couple of years ago. They played Minnesota Duluth, who uh, is who won back-to-back titles a couple of years ago. I mean, they're playing some hefty competition. So, and they're seven two seven and two right now. So, they look good. I mean, they got Denver coming up, and they got St. Cloud State. They got Denver twice, and then they got St. Cloud State, who's on the rise, and then Minnesota Duluth, and then Western again. So, they got a hefty schedule. But right now. No one's talking about them. I like this team. I like this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like I said, they right now only, I believe, I just checked, they only have three players on their team who are minus and plus minus. Only three. Three. And it's only two negative twos and one negative one. That's pretty It's solid. It's, it's that's, a, that's a ridiculous stat. I mean, yeah, as I said, this team is... Maybe one of the best defensive teams, but not only that, they have legit goal scorers on their team too. Jackson Blake, uh, he's up there for leading in uh, goals in college hockey right now with six. I mean, he's been playing absolutely phenomenal, and I think he's going to be a top prospect coming out of uh, college this year. But, yeah, I mean, we will keep an eye out definitely on North Dakota. They do have, like you said, a big series coming up in the next couple weeks against Denver. But we are going to move on now to our NHL slate of topics here we are going to start off first with two teams who just seem to not be able to stop winning the rangers and the canucks have been absolutely hot to went to start off this season vancouver sitting right now at 11 3 and 1 while the rangers are right now at 11 2 and 1 i want to start off first with the rangers because they are they seem to be doing this right now with uh, this feels like the rangers way of winning 
I, I mean, they're playing phenomenal defense so far to start this year. Um, Artemi Panarin has been going absolutely ballistic for this team. He's on a 13-game point streak and is up to 24 points right now in total, um, which almost is, is definitely top of the league right now in the NHL. But not to mention, they seem to be doing this right now. And Igor Shosturkin has only really played eight games. And Jonathan Quick right now is 4-0-1 with a .928 save percentage. I mean, you, they they seem to dive into the fountain of youth here with Jonathan Quick and Artemi Panarin, and they are some of their a lot of their older guys are really stepping up right now, along with some youngsters. I mean, they're also doing this phenomenal defense without without Adam Fox. Yeah, right. Without Adam Fox, he's been out for a month right now, or it is still out for about a month, going on two weeks left about right now. But you are, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's. Adam Fox is one of the best defensemen in the league. That's not really a contested fact. That's an uncontested fact. Um, and they are doing this so well without him that I, I fear to see how much damage this team could do with him as well. Because it's not one of those things, you know, one of those teams where they lose a player and it, they crumble. This is a, they lost a generational talent and, and they, they are doing phenomenal still. <laughs> um, so just the absolute wall that their defense defense is going to be once he's back and uh, recovered is uh, it's going to be pretty hard to play against. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. I mean, I think it's the shaved head for Panarin. I, I mean, I think he was onto something. I know. <laughs> he must have he been. saw something, and it's impressive they're doing this without like Vlad Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, who they had last year for the I playoffs. I mean, uh, looking at it, Alex Lafreniere, their former number one overall pick, has really made a jump this year, scoring seven goals with 11 points in total. And Vinny Trocheck too has sort of come out of nowhere with 11 points as well. He's been playing absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he had two goals. Last week alone, he he's been absolutely stepping up as well in the place of Kane and uh, Terrence Seiko, who left in the offseason. Especially with how the Rangers are doing right now, uh, you would assume like Mika Zibanejad would be up in the points leader. He's only got ten points and two goals on the season right now, which is very impressive to see. Like they're leveling out the goal, they're leveling out the goals. I mean, Chris Kreider leads the team in goals right now. You obviously know that. I mean, he he's a he is a very go- he is a very big goal scorer. He led yeah. the, he led the team and I think goals. 2022 and he had he he had so many goals I can't I now the numbers not at the top of my head like in the 2022 playoffs when they made the uh uh the Eastern Conference final but um he manages to get like a tip in on every goal like yeah he's, he, he's he, the he right puts, place at the right time he puts a stick on every puck that goes in I remember watching uh the playoffs last year and you know uh Chris Kreider would have we, he would be every goal and I was like what does this man do he, he is always there um and on the topic of Alexis Lafreniere doing good, you know, it's it's about time that he, <laughs> it, he had yeah, a breakout that, year. That I do agree with. Um, he, Con, he's a number one overall puck. You do expect this to happen. You, you, you expect, expect this to him to be performing this way, but he hasn't been. And so I know a lot of people have called him a dud, and they probably still will call him a dud. But if he's contributing a lot, I think it's about time. It's what you want to see. I, it sort of feels like the the Jack Hughes conundrum that we yeah. sort of had a couple years ago, where it's we we sort of we sort of, you know, want to want to call out the kid for not doing well uh, in this first couple of years, but all it, all it really takes is just a little time. And I mean, we're seeing it right now. This kid's only twenty two years old still, and he's a major contributor in what can be a really can a really good Stanley Cup contender. I mean, 
this team is firing on all cylinders right now, and they're really, really exciting to watch. And I, I can't wait to see what this team does when they're at full strength, when Igor Shesterkin's back consistently in that, and then when, of course, Adam Fox comes back from injury. But now I want to talk touch on the Vancouver Canucks, who are winning, but in a little bit of a different way. This offense that they have uh, put on the ice is absolutely phenomenal so far this season. Um, and not not to mention only the offense, but Thatcher Demko, too. He has been playing absolutely phenomenal as well in net with a full season. I, I know this this team, it, it it's well-deserved. Um, I, I mean, I shouldn't say it's well-deserved. The way they handled uh, the coaching situation last year mm-hmm. was it, it was absolutely horrible. But now they seem to have their guy in Rick Tockett, and he's showing what uh, he could do right now. So he's got this team uh, really in the contention for a top of the Western Conference right now. Yeah, just looking at um, the leading stats for the year, uh, three of the top five uh, point leaders are Vancouver Canucks, uh, with Elias Pettersson, of course, leading the league in scoring points. Quinn Hughes leaves all defensemen yep. in Quinn, scoring points. Quinn Hughes um, has the highest plus-minus rating of the entire league at a plus 18, in- which is insane, insane for a defenseman. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, because it plus-minus like really matters for defensemen, it, but for him to be a defenseman and be so high, like being above his uh, his pairing partner Myers is at a plus ten right now. Yeah, and then Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are tied, leading the league for assists. Um, Brock Besser is second in the league for goals, um, just one goal behind Austin Matthews, who's recorded three hat tricks. Um, so Brock Besser only has one hat trick on the year, but uh, he is scoring more spread out through games, whereas Austin Matthews. Will score two hat tricks in a row and then not score for two <laughs> exactly, games. Exactly. Um, and so it's definitely kind of a Brock Besser that you want on your team, someone who's going to have consistency rather than just spurts of really good work. Um, but I think they got a c- couple guys that are leading the league in everything, and then you got a couple, uh, a lot of like guys who you assume are just going to be mid-tier but are actually just doing also phenomenal. And then you've got the wall of Thatcher Demko in the back who's could could work, could win the Vesnia this year, and that's that's crazy. I'm looking at the stats right now. You want to you want to take a guess at how many uh, how many players on this team have a have a, a negative plus minus? It's I, I, I have it up here, too. I, it's, it's one. It's one. One player. Who is it? His name is Noah Juleson. He has a minus two. There's he two plus played, never heard of him. It, he's played like half a game, it says. Exactly. <laughs> so pretty much the entire team is positive and plus minus. So yeah. I find that incredibly impressive. And I take a look. Quinn Hughes has a plus 18. Philip Pronick has, former uh, Detroit Red Wings legend, has a uh, plus 13. You see Tyler Myers has a plus 10. So... The defensemen have a double-digit plus-minus, like three of those players. I and- mean, it's you have these players, and they're leading in a lot of like the major NHL awards, like leading the contestants. I mean, they have like probably one for every award besides the Calder. Um, there's not a whole bunch of standout rookies there. You know, you're getting a lot of guys who are in the prime of their career, but not a whole ton of young guys. Um, not that are making a huge difference though. Um, on the team, but I think there's someone <laughs> for the heart 
Norris, obviously. I think it's Quinn Hughes' year for the Norris and Besnia too. I I think there's no stopping them right now. Definitely. I, I mean, this is a really exciting team to watch. The only really question I do kind of have, and you sort of touched on this too, is sort of the depth that this team has. Obviously, we know how electric their top line is. They are almost all of them are at like 20 points or at least in double digit points. But again, really looking at those second and third lines that they have out there, they they really do look like they could use another goal scorer in those sort in those lines. And I, I mean, I really hope they do end up making a trade at the trade deadline for someone like that. I'm not it doesn't really seem like there's much available out there right now in terms of high-end second, third-line goal scorers that they could get, but I, I'm hoping that they can possibly add, add someone. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe Patrick Kane, for whatever reason, decides to go to Vancouver and he looks like his <laughs> former self again. Who knows? But I, I would definitely love to see this team add uh, a little bit of a uh, more depth scoring uh, yeah. outside of that first line that they have right now. I think they might – I don't know. I think it would be interesting for them to dip into their uh, prospect pool. Uh, of course, they have the second Elias Pettersson yeah. um, in, the, <laughs> in their prospect pool, who he, I believe he is on a contract, so he could be pulled any time. Um, but I think that could be interesting to try to get more depth scoring, um, again, because – you know, a uh, uh, Besser Pedersen line is phenomenal, but you know you want you need more depth. You want another, line. you want another Besser on your team. Yeah, as well. Um, I I was thinking like last year they traded away Bo Horvat, who was a very mm-hmm. key, very big and very key contributor to like the goal scoring and the points. Um, the trade. Uh, they got Anthony Bavillier, who was very good for the Islanders he's for a been, little bit. He's been playing good so far on that second and third line for the Canucks so far. He's, yeah, he's, he's only, been putting up a couple goals. Yeah, he only has six points on the year, but a lot can change. I, I feel like they're expecting a little bit more from Anthony Bavillier, but a lot can change in the near future. But, yeah, I agree with Sydney. If they can get another goal scorer on their line, they can be a true playoff contender yeah. a lot can but you know they got vegas to worry about so <laughs> I, mean, I mean a strong getting just like even one strong winger um in the trade deadline or pulling up um possibly from waivers or their pool i think could you know be the thing that pushes this team even further is exactly if they can get another strong winger and a goal scorer in them i think that'd be crazy Definitely. So we will see how the Vancouver Canucks continue to do for the rest of the year. We're going to move on now to another big topic that we touched on on week one. We we had our we had our rookie predictions and our colder predictions more specifically on week one. And Sydney, if I do remember, said, and I quote, I don't think Connor Bedard will have that great of a year. I don't think he's strong enough to compete with some of these defenders in the NHL, and I think he's going to have a big learning curve coming into the NHL. Well, in Connor Bedard's past six games, he has seven goals, nine points, 20 shots on goal, and two multi-goal games. Not to mention the already, what, nine goals he has so far on the season with 13 points. Um and not to mention is now comfortably the favorite to win the Calder Trophy. Um, I, I have it written on right here on our show sheet that uh, Sydney owes an apology to Connor Bedard. 
So I'm I'm gonna let Sydney take it from here. I'm not gonna say anything else about it. Floor is yours. Connor Bedard. I <laughs> apologize for thinking you were a dud. You aren't. <laughs> I, I I just I mean, I just wanna talk about just how insane he's been playing. I didn't think that he so pulled far. I, I would think that it would be too much pressure. And yet where he seems to just be so comfortable and still he's not really again overpowering these defenders to get in front of the net but we're we're seeing what people have been talking about this guy his wrist shot is absolutely amazing and he's just able to score without really having to really toughen up right in front of the goal and just instead he's just really really good in that mid danger area yeah i he's he's just so talented he's such a good skater as well like he can skate around he doesn't have to oh, yeah. he doesn't have to go up and fight people he can skate just around them uh and he's really fast again he's such a strong wrist shot um that he's he's able to be really dangerous and i i didn't think that he would do as well as he's doing um but obviously i've been proved i've been proved wrong he's doing really good so I mean, yeah, I want to I want to touch on just, just I mean, again, he's been absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if you saw his uh his goal against Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh that goal he scored afterward yeah, where I did. It, it, he looks like he's he's getting really confident. He's talking to the fans now, trying yeah. to cheering them on a little bit after the goal. I mean, this this kid day by day is getting more and more confidence. He's... And he's and I, I don't know what's going to happen when he knows that he's a legit top five. Once he's a legit top talent in the NHL, I, I think it might be over for the league at that point. I mean, I think he's beginning. He's looking more and more like he did in World Juniors where he was just an absolute weapon. Um, and he was like, uh, there's some crazy stat about Alex Ovechkin's scoring and how he always will score from the exact same spot. Connor Bedard will do that too. He'll find a spot and he'll milk that spot until people finally start realizing. Um, but I, unfortunately, Connor Bedard's doing really well, um, and I can't really discount it, that anymore. It does suck that, of course, he has to be a Chicago Blackhawk because oh, the sure. NHL can't get any nice things except for the Chicago Blackhawks. But that's besides the point. If I love watching this kid play so far this season. I I think, obviously, if he keeps it up, the Calder is all his. And, I mean, that's really saying something with the talent that we're seeing so far out of these rookies that have been playing so far this season. To be fair, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, but for a solid five hours, my dog's name was Bedsy after <laughs> Connor Bedard. Um <laughs> What 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 got what made that change? Was it when Montreal didn't win the lottery? I'm guessing. Um, no, I it was it was before that. I think I, me and my mom, we were just like, yeah, Betsy. Um, my mom's a big <laughs> Connor Bedard fan. Um, but then we ended up changing it to Kirby Dog, after Kirby, Kirby Dog. Dog. Wow, well, that was a good one. maybe maybe you shouldn't have named it after him, and then he wanted to had season-ending injuries. Well, <laughs> can't win them all. Only time will tell. I just I just I just. I just kind of hate, not, I don't hate Connor Bedard, but I kind of hate seeing someone who's younger than me doing so well in the NHL. It makes me, makes me feel old now. This kid, this kid is going to end up making more money in a 
82 game span than I'm going to make in an entire two years. Um, I'm probably going to live. And it's going to get worse and worse as as he gets better and as, of course, I grow up. Like, yeah, see, Connor Bedard is older than me, actually. I did the math. It's two months and 17 days <laughs> older than me. And so I, you know, kind of have an excuse. You know, I, I can catch up to him. I have two months to catch up to him. I could be making a million dollars in two months. You guys don't know. We'll see if this podcast uh, just absolutely explodes. It takes off. Yeah. yeah. We'll see if this podcast takes off. And then as soon as that happens, we'll be making... if. Uh, more, if not the same amount of money as Connor Bernard. I hopefully. perpetually have two months and 17 days to catch up to Connor Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, of course, we will keep an eye out on Connor Bernard and his amazing season so far on his race to the colder. We're going to move on now to another big story that's going on up north. The Edmonton Oilers have decided to fire their head coach, Jay Woodcroft, after 13 games this year. After Edmonton, a win. After a win oh, also as well against the Seattle Kraken. Um, the news broke yesterday that he was going to be fired after the team has gotten off to a 3-9-1 and start so far. Their bench coach will now take over as uh, head coach, I believe, is going to be the... Uh, change they're going to make and i i just have to say this is an absolute disaster for edmonton i think this is probably the worst case scenario and especially for someone like jay woodcroft who brought you to the western conference or the stand the western conference finals no less than two years ago to fire him after 13 games and especially after a win where it looked like they could finally get on the right footing it just seems absolutely like the worst mistake, like the worst choice they could have made in response to the slow start. Connor McDavid, you are a Vegas Golden Knight. <laughs> God, oh uh, God, could you imagine? They would be unstoppable. I don't. This that team might win eighty-two games. Like I don't think oh, they yeah. lose another game if they, they if they got uh, David. But um, it's surprising. I mean. I have been on the train where I, I like the Oilers. I've really liked how I really like following them because of like the hate they get, but like just the journey they've been on. I mean, like you basically like majority of like fa- NHL fans will, like focus on oh, uh, it's all McDavid and Leon Drysidel who are like the main show. They always will lead the team, always will lead the team, especially in and the league in points and stuff like that. And like they outshine like some of these like vi- like less better I, mean, I don't know how to put it but glaring problems that exactly. this team has yeah i would say it's the depth on this team and obviously the goaltending has been a major issue for this team's success the, i mean the fact that they put campbell on waivers when Stuart skinner has a worse save percentage than campbell i mean campbell is making more money so i i, I think that, that might have had sense. to do a little bit with it, but I I agree the the goaltending is I mean, just an absolute you, disaster either way. When you put way. a goaltender you know on waivers, you expect to have something to fall back exactly. On. But you're falling back on someone who statistically is worse. <laughs> and I, I just think this that, is this that honestly this is just the most classic Ken Holland move that Ken Holland could ever make. I mean, we watched the way that guy mutely or basically destroyed the Red Wings for five, ten years after that playoff streak broke for them. And, I mean, I think now we're sort of really starting to see it with Edmonton and these horrible contracts that he's sort of given to these players. And I I think, if I'm being honest here, 
the firing of Jay Woodcroft, I, I said this to you guys early before our recording, it's putting a Band-Aid on a deep, on a deep scar tissue. Like, it's not going to really solve much. It's there, but what does it really do for this team? I mean, we're, we've heard, we saw it, uh, we saw some, I saw something an hour ago, uh, a report from 32, Tho- uh, 32 Thoughts, I think it was. Um, McDavid is legitimately pissed off at mm-hmm. Edmonton right now. Um, and that is definitely, that is DEFCON one for Edmonton. If they're one of their greatest players of all time is legitimately pissed off. They, they cannot afford for Connor McDavid to get unhappy right now. Oh, absolutely. You could say that if Wayne Gretzky didn't play. For the uh, second best, second best player Edmonton has seen so far. Maybe by the end of it. You don't want to see first. the best athlete in the world who plays for your team get pissed off at such a very early part of the year. We are only in we are only halfway through November and he's not happy with this. And you brought this up before we recorded like the front office is like divided about this. Like I mean, that's the last thing you want. Yeah, you, you want I, you don't you want you, I'd rather see a team like unite for like one decision on why you let someone go rather than oh we did this. No, we did. We, we did because of this. If, no, we did because of if that. If anyone's seen the press conference uh, yesterday that they had announcing the firing of um, Jay Woodcroft, um, two representatives uh, for the Oilers spoke about it, and one said um, before that they talked to the veteran players about it. It was discussed with the team, and that it was a team decision that Jay Woodcroft. What, it was best to move on from Jay Woodcroft. But then another representative comes on uh, a few minutes later and then says, yeah, um, we never ta- we didn't talk to the players at all about this. Um, usually, uh, I, in my experience, veteran players do not like to be uh, bothered with these issues. They don't like to talk about this stuff. And so this was all a front office decision. Well, which one is it? Did you talk to the players or did you not? And if you didn't talk to the players... That is another issue in and of itself. If you just decided to fire Jay Woodcroft, I mean, this is this is a, this is a weird business. This I mean, is sounding like my my managers at Target. <laughs> I mean, they would. Tell, I mean, this is like this is like something that you expect from like a retail job. Like you know, your managers aren't on the same page. Not like a billion a professional hockey team. Not a billion dollar hockey team. Like that has one of the best athletes in the entire world. Like. That you're paying fifteen million dollars, and, and not a joke. Not to mention now we're hearing murmurs of them possibly trading Drysidle if things do not continue to go well this season. I, I mean, if, if they decide to do that, then they they might as well. I, I, they might as well trade McDavid at that point. I mean, then you're just yeah. then you're just you're trying to tank at that point. And if you're gonna tank, you can McDavid's not going to be there for that. He wants to go and win a Stanley Cup. I yeah. mean, I, I don't see. I've seen a bunch of memes about this. I mean, where they'll, it'll be like Dreisaitl and McDavid talking about which teams they're requesting trades to. Because I, I'm as much as those are memes and those are jokes, I don't think that either would want to stay if the other's not going to be there. Because they're such like a goal-scoring like partnership. And if one leaves, the team is over. And so I don't think another team will want to stick around for – another one will want to stick around for a rebuild. They both know their worth. And oh, yeah, I think absolutely. they both know right now that they're worth more than the Edmonton Oilers. Definitely. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I, if you're bringing up the tanking method, I promise you Macklin Celebrini is not Connor McDavid. 
Yeah, that, I don't... That, that right there. If if Macklin Solovrini becomes the next Connor McDavid, that, and, yeah, clip that one. Clip for this, you guys. and we'll five go viral. years from and... now, we're gonna go look back on this one and say, Cooper, yeah. what's going on with that one? Yeah, I would know. I would not be an NHL analyst. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've seen worse. I've seen worse across all sports. Definitely. But, <laughs> but, I don't think. Yeah, that's that. I would not. Be, I'd be kind of embarrassed with. I that. don't think anything they can do will pay off more than. Connor Bedard's potential for the rest of his career. I mean, the guy's like, what, 26 right now? 25, 26? Like, he has a career ahead of him, and I don't think that anything else is going to pay off as much as Connor McDavid. Like, yeah. Their best bet. Th- this guy still has at least 10 high productive years left. He's going to be, he might even be great until he's like 38, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you're going to want that guy. That's a, this is a franchise player. You're going to want to build your franchise around him, not piss him off so much he requests a trade. Exactly. Like, they're going to need him if they ever want to be a legit team. And they need to work on keeping him happy. Because if he's not happy, <laughs> that's going to suck yeah, for them. Yeah, it's not good yeah. at all. I, I mean, we're going to we're gonna keep an eye out definitely on the Edmonton situation as it is one of the most bizarre and most disorganized situations I've ever seen in the NHL so far. Um, yeah, we will keep an eye out on them. We're going to move on now to our Pick'em Slate of the Week. We got a big loaded week here. Uh, we are going to go through each day. We're going to highlight some of the best games going on this week, and we are going to pick who the winner is of this game. We're going to start out with the two games on tonight's slate, Monday night. Uh, the Islanders and the Oilers are going to face off in Edmonton. Um, this is a big, this is a big, big game for Edmonton. I coming off the win against Seattle, they really have to build off of that win. Otherwise, I'm you can almost kiss the season goodbye. Um, going three ten and one as their start. Um, I, I, I like the Islanders. They've been again. Middle of the pack, sort of what you expect. Ilya Sorokin has not really looked like the Ilya Sorokin of past. He's not been uh, off to a really great start so far this uh, season. Um, I, I I know we just talked about how dysfunctional Edmonton has been so far this season, but I, I'm going to say I think they're going to get it back together tonight, and I think they're going to end up uh, winning the against the Islanders at home. Uh. I, I once again like I agree. With, uh, I I thought Ilya Sorokin was gonna be a um like a Vezina favorite this year. I think he was supposed to be a Vezina favorite. He was definitely. Um, um I'm gonna go with the Islanders. I do think the I I, <laughs> I do think um I think they can get it done tonight. Um doesn't mean that they're gonna beat the Oilers every time, but I I I just I think they're I think for how dysfunctional the Oilers have been so far, I feel like it's gonna carry on into this game tonight. So give me the Islanders right now. Um, I guess it's blue and orange versus blue and orange. It is. <laughs> I think blue and orange will prevail. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the blue and the orange team. Um, <laughs> um I'm tempted to say Islanders, but I actually am gonna go with Oilers on this one. Um, because the Islanders haven't been performing too much. Like, I mean, they're they're, no, they're not. Uh, doing, this they're is not about doing what you well. expect Middle from. This Middle is about what pack. you expect from the New York Islanders this season. Um, if I'm being honest. Besides the Ilya Sorokin part, I really, I'm really surprised that he's not playing as well and as I mean, he has so if far this year. Ilya Sorokin's not playing as good. I mean, maybe this is the game that you know, Drysaitel and McDavid turn it on and you know go ham against 
make absolute cheddar out of Sorokin. I think that would be kind of nice. And so I I can see that playing off, but I don't really I don't really it doesn't sit well with me the Islanders beating the Oilers in Edmonton. All right, so two of us are going to go with the Oilers there. Cooper's going to go with the Islanders. We're going to move on to the second game of tonight's uh, two-game slate. The Avalanche head into Seattle to face the Kraken. The Avalanche have also been a team that has definitely been struggling as of late. They've dropped there right now only 8-5. and five. Um, They've dropped three out of their last four games, losing especially uh, on Friday, I believe it was, against uh, the St. Louis Blues, 8-2. to two. That's embarrassing. Um, they, I'm really, really concerned with how inconsistent this offense has been for Colorado. I mean, some nights they can come out and score six goals like they did against the Devils, and then some nights they can get shut out like they did against Las Vegas or only score two goals and let up eight like they did against St. Louis. I'm. I really am looking for a little bit more incons- inconsistency out of this team. Seattle has been playing a lot better as of late. Uh, they've started to pick up a lot more wins, and uh, their offense is starting to finally look like what they did last year. Um, but I give me the Avalanche. I think they're going to bounce back after that uh, eight to two loss. I think that one's definitely going to be a wake up call, especially since it was to St. Louis. So give me the Abs to bounce back in this one. I agree with you. I'll take the Avalanche in this one. I do think this is a game where they need to bounce back. Uh, if they do lose in this game, I would seriously start to question if the if the absence of Daniel uh, Daniel Gabriel Landeskog is a big factor. The captain. I mean, you got Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr. Uh, you got some, you got some veterans, who, um, some people who have experience with the Stanley Cup, but their captain is out for the entire year. Is that gonna, is that starting to be a concern for them? But I do think this is a, I do think this is a game where, um, like the big stars Nathan McKinnon and Kill McCarr will show why they are top tier in their own position. So give me the F's tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm also gonna go Abs. I'm just gonna believe in the power of Nathan McKinnon. Um, he's a top tier player. I just saw a video and it was like. They were talking to Wayne Gretzky, and they're like, Wayne, if you could have any two guys on your line, who would you pick? And he was like, well, I'm going to have to go with three. He was like, um, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and I think he said Austin Matthews. Um, and he's like, any two of those will win. And I, I think Nathan McKinnon is such a top-tier player that, I mean, how can they not win? He's, Even though they've been losing, he's so consistent. Like I've seen, like he's he's been putting up points every night. Even though they like have those rough losses, he's been a a, a, like a key contributor to the to their goals. And they're like they, he has like a in their last like four games, he has a goal or an assist. Which I mean, you don't see. I mean, you want more from a star player like that. But he's able to like he's able to go out there and do the job for the team, and that's what you want. Like plus, not- I mean, the Kraken just lost to the second worst team in the league yes yes so, they did i mean <laughs> they did i gotta i gotta think granted it, it edmonton... is the second it is the second worst team but also with Connor mcdavid but... but i gotta assume that if like the edmonton oilers can beat you this season that the colorado avalanche can also beat you <laughs> all right so we're gonna move on now to our tuesday slate we have a huge tuesday slate of games here three uh that we are gonna pick on the golden knights are gonna visit the nation's capital and to off to face the capitals the capitals have been surging a little bit as of late find themselves comfortably in a playoff spot right now at seven four and two um the only thing that i'm i'm gonna go with the golden knights but i i do appreciate how well the capitals have been playing 
they just I I'm pretty sure they don't have a winning record at home. I'm pretty sure their record on the road is actually better than it is at home. Um, I I don't know what it is. It this seems this feels like the. Uh, the, in, in basketball terms, it feels like the Warriors conundrum of last year where they just could not win a game on the road and they just won every single game at home. Um, so I'm going to take the Golden Knights simply because um, it is in D.C. Hmm. Okay. Um, interesting. Interesting there. <laughs> uh, interesting stat. I, I'm going to go with the Knights. I'll go with the Knights until I feel comfortable to pick against them. They just don't look that, like they're slowing down that at is all. Also true. <laughs> I'd like to be different and pick the Capitals, but this Golden Knights team has been so dominant, and they show no cup hangover at all. I mean, they, they brought back majority. I think they lost a they couple. They brought everyone besides one player in Riley Smith. Yes. Everyone else is back. And every So everyone else is back. And, I mean, Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo. The captain, Mark Stone, Jonathan Marshall. So I can name a lot of more Knights players that play key contributors. But um, yeah, give me the Knights comfortably for a while. Yeah, give me the Knights. I mean, kind of like Cooper said. You know, we were so quick to say like, ah, Vegas is. They're not. They're, <laughs> they're not, not going to be, be the same team. Yes, they are. They're going to be the same team, and they're going to kick everyone's butts all day long. Um, and unfortunately, I think that they are going to kick the Capitals' butts because. I'll be so impressed if the Capitals kick the Knights' butt. <laughs> I mean, I think that's good. I think that would be funny. But again, I don't take the Capitals seriously. I don't think I will for a while. Um, so uh, I do take the Golden TJ, Knights. TJ, I, I I do have to shout out the sick TJ Oshie uh, highlight that he had against New Jersey a yeah. couple nights ago. That I, was I like TJ. Oshie. That was actually really sick. And the but. Washington Capitals win the Stanley Cup for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Based solely off of that uh, one play I saw by TJ Yoshi, this team is cup bound. Um, anyways, we're going to move on now to another fun game out west. The Yotes are going to go into Dallas to visit and play the Dallas Stars. Uh, Stars are minus 210 on this money line right now. Um, I'm I'm going to have to go with the money line. I'm going to have to go with the Stars here. Um, this team, again, they just win at home. Um, th- I love Arizona. I love their team that they've had so far, or the season that they have so far. Logan Cooley is playing like the rookie that I thought he was going to be. Um, I, I, th- this Dallas Stars team is, I think, the sec- still the second best team in the West, even with uh, the year that Vancouver has been having. Um, I think they're just going to be too much for the Yotes to handle. Uh, so give me the Stars to win. I, I like the Stars, too, in this one. I mean... I, I always say this on the podcast. They're one of the most complete teams in the in the entire NHL. They got a great defense. They got a lot of guys that stack up well against other players. I mean, they got depth up and down. Uh, this team is this team is going to win a lot of games. Not this year. to mention Jake Ottinger. Yes, it's Jake still Ottinger. Jake Ottinger. <laughs> He's still the same Jake Ottinger we've seen for the past couple of years. And um, I do love the Coyotes. I love watching uh, Logan Cooley and Clayton Keller, but. Um, yeah, just give me the stars in this one. This will be a good game, though. I can't. I think this will be a good game. Uh, yeah, give me the stars too. Uh, I would like to say that I'll watch it, but I probably won't because it's, you know, a Western Conference game. So and it's also, later. we do have a uh, Duke Michigan State going on that night as well. Yeah. So I will unfortunately have to be. I will be tuning into that one. Not unfortunately, but I will be watching that. <laughs> yeah, but I'll definitely, I'll definitely check up on it in the morning. But. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a good game, but again, the stars are the stars. And as much as I, I love to see the Yotes win, um, they're not the stars. 
All right, so we got stars across the board for that one. We're going to move on to our last game that we're going to touch on our Tuesday slate. The Lightning are going to visit or come in and visit the St. Louis Blues. The Blues have been surprisingly quietly having not that bad of a year. They're sitting at 7-5-1 and one so far to start the year. Robert Thomas uh, for the Blues has been playing absolutely phenomenal hockey so far. Um, and, I mean, Jordan, they still have players like Jordan Cairo on that team who's uh, – I mean, Jordan Kyrie, I think, is one of the best uh, young talents that we have in the NHL right now. I think he is due to uh, have a really good season this year still. Um, this is going to be crazy. I'm I'm going to go with the Blues on this one. I think this is going to be a really fun and really high-scoring game, actually. The Lightning, uh, Nikita Kucherov is having one of the best seasons he's had uh, in his career. And again, the Lightning offense is one of the best in the NHL right now. But, again, I still have a lot of questions about their blue line. Vasilevsky not playing has been uh, really detrimental to this team uh, in terms of goals allowed so far. Um, yeah, I, I, like the, I like the Blues at home here. I, I'm going to go with St. Louis to win this one. I can't wrap my head around this Blues team. I I, I think they they come off an eight. I, to, they come they come off a convincing eight to two win against. This Pete. is honestly, I I thought this team was going to be in the basement for the entire year as well. This team and has they surprised. Have, they have a been playing really really well for what the standard was. I'm going to take the Blues as well. The Lightning have been struggling. I, Nikita Kucherov is second in the league in points behind Elias Pettersson. Um, but yeah, like what, like you said, I mean, the, the absence of Vasilevsky has really been, really been a, really been a concern for this lightning team early on. And, um, I don't think it's going to, I think we could see a little bit of a, a come up one of these days, but, um, not, I I think after coming off an eight to two loss at away and then coming back home, I think it's hard to lose away. It's hard to lose a home game. Give me the blues, especially, Braden Shen, I mean that he re racked. He's up, also been playing. He really racked good up too. seven points uh, against the Avalanche. I think <laughs> you'll see a big game between with with Shen and Robert Thomas and a lot of these players on the Blues. I mean they, they come off of like I'll see like, um, I believe Braden Shen was on the 2019 Stanley Cup champion team. Like you see a bunch of names like on the team. Like they're an old team, but um, they're still playing really well. I mean they went. I mean, like a couple. They you see them in the playoffs. I mean, they're very well coached. Uh, Gloria for this one. Give me the Blues. Um. So the biggest difference between their records is the Lightning have a six, five, and four record. Yes. They go to uh. They go out of regulation quite a, a bit. Lot. Uh. And the Blues are seven, five, and one. So the Blues have actually like one more in regulation. Um. I just like. I like the thought of the Blues winning at home, so give me the Blues. Um, but I will. I think it will go into overtime. I'm gonna have to say it's gonna go into overtime, and the Blues will win in overtime. Really? That's that's what I'm gonna go with, just because you know they are facing the Lightning, and I think the Lightning like to go into overtime. <laughs> All right. They like so Penn State. <laughs> we got our third uh, same agreement across the board. There, we're all gonna go Blues. Now we're gonna move on to the Wednesday slate of games. I have only two games on our slate here today. The Ducks are going into Colorado to face the Colorado Avalanche. Um, again, Ducks have been a really, really fun team to watch so far this year. Pavel Michnikov has just come out of nowhere, it seems like, to be really good, along with uh, Leo Carlson this year, who's been playing phenomenal. He just got a hat trick. If, if it was not for Connor Bedard, 
those two would be going head to head right now in a really, really fun quarter race. Yeah. Of course, again, but Connor Bedard is playing on a different planet right now. But um, I, again, I really love this Ducks team. I love what they've been doing so far. I love the strategy that they have with Leo Carlson to sort of load manage him, ease him into the NHL mm-hmm. type of play. It's something I've we've never seen before in the NHL, and it's been really working well. Give me the Ducks to win in an upset here against the Avalanche. I think this is I, – I still have questions about uh, Av's consistency and the way they play, and I think the Ducks are going to sneak up on them on this one, and I think they're going to take the win in Colorado. Um, If the Avalanche lose to the Kraken, I take the Ducks. <laughs> but I'm going to have to go with the Avs, and this will be a fun game too. Young talent against top talent is super fun to watch. This, this could be a great learning experience for some of these young guys like – I mean, like, uh, Trevor Zegras, and, I mean, they got a bunch of young guys on this team who really can be a pitiful, like, important, like, piece in this, like, in the future success of this team. Um, like you said, Leo, Leo Carlson, surprise number two pick, but I'm I'm kind of glad that they took Leo Carlson because he seems like he's, like, he seems like he's getting more and more comfortable. Like, we, we talked about Bedard. We've seen these, seen a lot of these rookies right now. They're bare, they're getting comfortable, like, in this league. They're getting comfortable. So, um, this will be a fun game. Uh, I believe this game could go to overtime. I feel like there could be a lot of goals scored in this game. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with the Avs in this one. Uh, give me the Ducks, because for the sole reason that the Ducks this season have beat the Golden Knights... And the Bruins. They love beating top end teams. They love beating people that they shouldn't. That, <laughs> that in, in no it. statistical world they should like, they ever they, be able to compete against. They like the odd stacked against them. They do. And so throw them another team. Like, I think they're going to win, especially, you know, because I think the Avs are going to beat the Kraken. I just think that that'll push the Avs up a little more, which will make the Ducks more likely to beat them because <laughs> the better the team the more the Ducks will beat up. If they play again in the rest of the season, I think the, the Avs will win. Um, but give the Ducks an upset just for just for giggles. Just for, yeah, just for giggles. All right, we're going to move on to our last game on our Wednesday slate. The Flyers are coming into town, into Raleigh, North Carolina, to face the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are going to be wearing their throwback jerseys for this game, the old Hart for Whaler jerseys that, well, not exactly throwback for the Hurricanes, but, you know. Yeah. You know what? What used to be their old franchise in Hartford? They're going to wear the Hartford Whaler jerseys. Um, I uh, Hurricanes have been playing a lot better as of late. They're winners of their four four of their last six. Um, these are two teams who are right now kind of both fighting for playoff spots right now. Um, Flyers are seven seven and one to start the year, which is again not too bad for what some people expected from this Flyers team. Um. I am going to go with the Hurricanes. I have no statistical reasons as to why I'm going to pick the Hurricanes. I'm only going to say there's just no way they lose on a night they wear Hartford Whaler jerseys. I'm gonna Give ta- me the Canes. I'm going to take the Canes because the Flyers lost to the Sharks. I mean, I can't respect a team who that loses was, to the Sharks. That, yeah, that, that, was, that, that did make me lose a lot of respect for the Flyers. <laughs> I, just, I, I also... Someone, someone had to lose to the Sharks. It just ended up being the Flyers who ended up being the one team that they beat for the first time. Um, I, we knew the Sharks were eventually going to win a game. Just, we thought it was going to be very, very deep into the yeah. season. But, um, I'm going to go with the Canes. Be, I mean, they, they, they're supposed to be really good. I mean, like, they had a slow start. They are starting to pick it up. Um, 
a lot of playmakers on their team. So and they always they will always contend every year. You will see them at the you will see them in the playoffs, trying to make a run for it. Trying to make a run like last year, they made the Eastern Conference Final, lost the lost the sweat got surprisingly swept. But um, yeah, uh, Brendan Moore is obviously going to bring a team. I and I can't wrap my head around the flyer. So give me the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Oscar on this one. Uh, for no other reason besides the Hartford Whalers, the Canes are going to win. I love those Hartford Whaler jerseys. It's I a shame. I, I still don't think they should be able to wear them because, of course, they weren't the Hartford Whalers and they are only the Hurricanes because they decided to just dissolve the franchise in Hartford, but they're still so sick. I think it's, I think it's fun. <laughs> I think. I just love how we chose the Canes for non-statistical reasons. Yep. You yep. two for the jersey. Just Me the jersey. just because the Flyers lost to the Sharks. Just the jersey. <laughs> I uh, mean, I feel like there's no other way to predict that game. It, it, could, well, I, you know, it could go either way, it but could. I'm going to go with the guys who's got the fun jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to our Thursday slate here. We have a really, really big game here. The Panthers are going into Los Angeles to face the LA Kings. The Kings... While they have lost two straight, they had a really, really big win last week going into Vegas and beating them 4-1. The Panthers right now are also really hot, too. They find themselves in second place in the Atlantic so far. They've been playing absolutely great uh, after a slow start this year. Um, This is going to be a very low, ugly defensive scoring game, I believe. Um, Definitely definitely a type of hockey that some people do like to watch. Others would prefer high... Uh, offensive scoring games, but I I'm really excited for this game. I'm really interested to see how it goes. Um, I I think I'm gonna have to go with LA to uh win this one again. I love what they've been doing so far defensively. Their goaltending has surprisingly been somewhat sustainable so far, or sustainable so far this year. Um, Can Talbot and Phoenix Copley have actually been playing really solid throughout the throughout the start of the season, and I I. I, I hate to give the LA Kings props, but I I gotta give them when it's due. Their old players, uh, Kempi, Kopitar, Fiala, are all playing absolutely amazing right now, all in double digit points. Um, uh, yeah, give me the Kings to win this one at home. Finally, some respect for the Kings. I, <laughs> I, love I it. don't I don't want to. I thought this team was gonna fall off so hard this year. I they've been the definition of mid for the past couple of years so far to me and it now they just look like they're an actual legit threat in the western conference right they now. lost to the oilers in two straight playoff appearances back to back last year in 2022 i'm gonna take the kings in this one i love anze kopitar it seems like he is like still playing at a high level compared to like I, what he- I don't know where like all these players just decided why they just decided to pop off this year like they are playing absolutely they are playing their three guys are playing absolutely crazy right now i i just i love what the kings do i mean like you 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 don't really talk about them a lot because like they're usually like a low like you don't talk about la kings hockey as much it's it's more like when you look at like the west coast it's always going to be vegas edmonton and colorado colorado exactly those are the teams you talk about but no one talks about the la kings they are a sneaky team and it's hard because this is going to be a great game. I would I would take the Panthers. They are starting to heat up at the right at a really good time. You are starting to see a lot of playmaking, but um, I, I believe after two home losses and you won against the Knights, I do think they bounce back. I do think they bounce back. Yeah, I'm known for King slander, but you know I can respect a team that wins against Vegas because uh, again I was afraid to pick against 
Vegas for the for the Golden Knights versus the Capitals. I'm also afraid to pick against a team that has beat Vegas. Um, and as much as I hate them, I will let the Kings. I will let the Kings take this one. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on to a really exciting game here. The NHL Global Series starts off on Thursday as the Red Wings face Ottawa in Sweden uh, this week. This will be, once again, a very, very fun game. Ottawa has not been off to the start that they have wanted to so far, going only 6-7 and seven to start the year. And the Red Wings, as we all know, started off really hot, but have sort of cooled off since that five-game winning streak they have and now sit at 8-5-2. and two. Um, this is definitely a really big game for both of these teams. Um, it, al- it always seems like for the past two years... Um, this game for both of these teams really sort of decides how the rest of the season is going to go um, for both of them. We saw last year when Detroit lost that series uh, to Ottawa that they kind of really realized that they couldn't compete for a playoff spot quite yet, and that's sort of what led to uh, Bertuzzi being traded last year and sort of us not being buyers at the trade deadline. But I I think it's going to be a different story this year. Again, Ottawa's been really, really struggling throughout the start of the season. Um, I, I I don't think they have the defense yet to keep up with some of the high-powered offense that um, we've seen the Red Wings have. And Dabrinkit finally broke his cold streak. He finally got another goal um, last week. And so I'm going to have to go with the Red Wings for this one. I think Alex Dabrinkit's going to end up staying hot this this week. I, I am going to say it. I'm going to take the Red Wings here as well, not because I'm a Red Wings fan. Yeah, but this is this is a non-biased pick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is not this is non-biased. Um, they played the Sens, I believe, in October at at Ottawa, crushed them. They won. Yeah. They they crushed them. Um, I, I'm going to take them again. I don't think it's going to be a. It's not at home. It's not in Ottawa. Obviously, it's in Sweden. But um, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think this will be a good game. I think Ottawa will give Detroit a run for its money. But I do think like the big play, the big key players like DeBrinket and Larkin and um, Mort Sider, you'll see a lot of like you'll see a lot of action between those three, and you'll you could see a couple goals in one of those players too, especially DeBrinket. I like I like DeBrinket being the X factor in this game. Um, this is going to be a really non-biased opinion. Um, <laughs> You're going to go with the Sens. Uh, no, I'm not going with the Sens because the Sens are a dumpster fire. <laughs> Um, and my backup, or like my my reasoning behind this, is because of this is a this is a game being played in Sweden. This is, and the Red Wings Sweden. have a lot of Swedish guys. A lot. A lot they of have a lot. They have, and a you lot know of they're gonna want to show out in front of their hometown so crowd. They're gonna they're gonna bring. I think they're pulling from their pro, like their guys in uh, Grand Rapids as well, pulling them up, um, like Edvinson, Simon Edvinson, uh, who played really well in the preseason. I think I'm excited for him. Um, to... I'm really excited for him to get like his full chance yeah. in the NHL when they when they finally decide to give it to him. Um, I think that because there's so many Swedish guys, it'll basically be a home game for Detroit. <laughs> um, so that is my sole reasoning behind this. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next Friday game. The Red Wings also play another game in Sweden, this time against the Toronto Maple Leafs. This one, once again, I am really, really excited for an original six matchup between two teams who have really who have similar records right now, both sitting at 8-5-2. and two. This is going to be a really high-scoring game, I think. Um, obviously, both uh, teams have their struggles defensively and in net. Uh, respectively, right now, um, I listen. I I love the Red Wings. 
I just don't think they have the same high-end talent that the Maple Leafs do. And we've seen it time and time again this year that the Maple Leafs' high-end talent is just going to win them so many games. And I think this is going to be another game in which the rest of the team plays really bad, but then their core four just absolutely goes ballistic on Ville Husso. Um, it's going to be a rough day for him, I think. So, uh, yeah, give me the Maple Leafs to win this one as much as I, I don't want to make that pick, but... It, it, I, I don't think I don't see a way in which we can win that game. Possibly, uh, biased, I'd go Red Wings. Non-biased, I am gonna go with the Maple Leafs. Um, one guy, it's not gonna be Austin Matthews, but I think William Nylanders, one of those guys, maybe John Tavares, like one of those guys, are really gonna put up a lot of points in this game, especially like when it comes to goal scoring. I do think. We can see one hat trick in this game. Possibly. I do think we can see, and I, it's I, if this is a game to bet on a hat. If there was a game to bet on a hat trick, it would be this one. Absolutely. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think everything I wanted to say has already been said. I mean, when I think of a Swedish player, I I think first of Elias Pettersson. But if I don't think of Elias Pettersson, I'll think of William Nylander. Um, I think. I think this could be a nice little Willie Styles game. I'm gonna go with Maple Leafs on this one. Um, as again, as much as I hate to say it, um, yeah. All right, we're gonna move on to the Saturday slate of games. We got three coming up here. We got the Rangers, red hot New York Rangers, coming in to face the Devils. Um, it is still uncertain whether or not Jack Hughes will end up playing in this game, but. Man, the Devils have really struggled this week without him. They're sitting right now at 7-5-1. and one. Um, This team, again, just does not look the same without him. They can't put up the same goal scoring that they have been with uh, Jack Hughes on the ice. Um, this team, I, I don't know what it is. They must be allergic to scoring goals in the first 30 minutes of games. Um, they get off. It It's really concerning how slow of starts they get off to. And I think New York's going to really take advantage of that and jump on them early. Um, I also, again, love this Rangers defense against uh, a Devils team with no Jack Hughes. I think they're going to absolutely squeeze uh, the Devils offensively, and they're not going to be able to get much going. So, yeah, give me the Rangers to win the, this one in the Rock. One of these games, one of these times, the New York Rangers are going to fall down to earth. This is a this is these are two teams that know each other very well. We saw them last year in the playoffs. I mean, they are not very far from each other. New Jersey, New York. I'm going to go with a surprise pick. I'm going to take the Devils in this one. Wow. I I just, you know, the Rangers have to lose eventually. I think this is a game they do. If Jack Hughes plays, I will. Comfort- I, I, I will. It, I think it's a completely different game if Jack Hughes plays. But I'm gonna assume since we haven't heard anything about him playing this week yet. Yeah, that he's I not think based play. on I'm the timeline, he should still be out. I'm yeah. just gonna take a hot take here and take the Devils <laughs> for fun here. I think this could be a very good game. Um, I'm gonna go with the Rangers. Mm, you're thinking about you're thinking about Devils. <laughs> I was thought about, about the, it. I thought about it. But I'm gonna have to go with the Rangers on this one because um, the Devils are without their top two centers. Um, the Rangers are not, um, and the Rangers have shaved Artemi Panarin, and so I think he's ready to get back at the Devils. Um, the Devils no longer in his hair anymore, um, and I think he's ready to. I think he's ready to fight them. All right, this will be a good. This will be a good game to like for the Rangers to like see if they can like overcome adversity, especially from last year's like loss. I mean, 
they won the first two games convincingly, and I thought that series was over after game two. Oh, but, me too. But, I thought the Rangers were. You give a shout out to the Devils. They fought hard. They they obliterated in game seven. They really showed that they were good. They were playoff content. They were a playoff contender from I the was, start. I was a Rangers fan for the playoffs last year. I I hate to be to say it, but one of my ESPN brackets had the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. Wow. I jokingly had a wow. I jokingly had a bracket where the Panthers made it to the Eastern Conference final and that happened to be my best bracket cuz I also had Vegas in the final. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right, we're going to move on now to another game. This one I picked because I think this is going to be a very very personal game for one team. Uh the Canadians go into Boston TD Garden to face the Bruins. The Canadians picked up their first win against Boston on on Saturday for the 3-2 win in Montreal. That was the first time they beat the Bruins since I believe it was 2019 was the last time the Canadians uh, ended up winning a game against the Bruins. Um, I am going to pick the Bruins. I, I'm going to say this. I think Jeremy Swayman's going to start in net. He's going to take that loss very personally, especially oh, with the altercation sure. that happened during that game. He's not going to be too happy about it. I think that guy's going to be a complete brick wall against the Canadians now. And I don't be surprised if he starts talking some trash to them during the game as well. Oh, I think looking this to be, instigate something. I but think this could be a game with a goalie fight. I think I, I would love to see I want to see the goalie fight. Let just, NHL. Let it happen. If Jeremy Swayman and Jake Allen or Sam Montembeau want to go at it, let them go at it in like, center ice. I didn't feel like Montembeau might not fight, but I would like to see a Jake, Jake Allen. Allen. But I do. I would also enjoy a Montembeau Swayman fight. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm gonna pick the Bruins. This is gonna be a very personal game for them. I think. I don't think they liked that loss that they took to uh, Montreal in uh, in Montreal. So, yeah, give me the Bruins, and I would not be surprised if Swayman uh, has a shutout in this game as well. Yeah. I'm going to take the Bruins as well because Boston's the better team, and <laughs> I think the Bruins are going to make this game. I think I feel like the it's personal, like, tra- the it's personal, like, like, um, like the it's personal. Uh, I feel like it's like, I, feel like, I don't want to say like it's all Coach Prime, but I feel like, you know, like, Especially in like when they were winning games and stuff, like you hear like the it's person, you hear it's personal, it's personal, it's personal. Like, I feel like when you make it like that, the games get so much more exciting. And especially when a team is so stacked up against, like, like the odds are completely stacked up against the Canadians. Especially when, especially like even if after they won, I mean, I mean this, I mean Boston is Boston, like Boston's gonna Boston. So, um, I will, I would like to see a lot of physicality in this team. I'd like to see a lot of physicality in this game, and German Swayman, obviously. <laughs> let a Swayman fight happen. A lot please. of Swayman. Let a Swayman I gotta, fight I gotta go with Cooper on this one. The Canadians don't really deserve a win here. <laughs> I mean, not, they they got their one this year, and which, I, which we'll was nice. But right, we'll see you I again will, in four I years. Think, in the I win think call. they let it. I think they lo- I think they got let it get a little too a uh, little too personal. In yeah, that I mean, I think. Canadians don't really deserve that win. Um, I feel like we see a bunch of these games where like really good teams slip up for one game, but like when they see each other again, like they're not gonna lose. Like, um, I was just looking at it. The Ducks beat one team. I can't remember if it was Boston or Vegas, but they, I think they beat Vegas. No, they beat the Bruins, and then they saw the Bruins again. And the Bruins 
Yeah. The Bruins <laughs> told like showed them. They don't. Boss. They don't like to lose. The Bruins don't <laughs> lose to mid tier teams more than once. <laughs> I can't wait for the Panthers Bruins game coming up soon. I think in January. I want to see what Boston brings to the table, especially after that um historic defeat last year in the playoffs. But. Definitely. So we're going to move on to our last game on the Saturday slate. Big Western Conference matchup here. The Avalanche are going into Dallas to face the Stars. Um, I I did pick Colorado to lose earlier this week uh, to the Ducks. And then I also, I had the, I have them going one and one so far on the week. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to make it one and two here again. Um the inconsistency on this team that I'm seeing right now is very, very concerning. Um, they're starting to lose uh, a lot of players. Coliano is out, Richie is out, and Pavel Frankus now, their backup goalie, is uh, on IR for long term. Um, this team's starting to get banged up, and we're sort of starting to see that lack of what feels like depth for offense on this team right now outside of uh, their star players and high-end talent. So, um I'm I'm gonna have to go with the stars on this one to win in Dallas. It's so hard to like comprehend like these games when like especially the Avalanche have three games. Like we we have to call it, we have to predict three Avalanche games here. Um, it's really hard because like if they go two and zero, like we can see a lot of momentum build. But if they lose two, we can see a lot. That really depends on my pick here. But um, for this, like if we're just disregarding every matchup so far, if these two teams play each other, clean slate. I'm going to take the Avalanche in this one. I, 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 I do think that the Avalanche do stack up well against this Dallas team. I mean, um, we see they're, they're, these teams are rivals in like when, in like their own conference and stuff like that. So it, this is going to be a fun matchup. I mean, these both teams will stack up well against each other. Consistency against star, like star performers against very, very, very good players who are very, who are very well known for their position on the stars. But I'm going to take the Avalanche. This is going to be a – I think this will be an ugly game. I do think this will genuinely be an ugly game. And if the Stars win this game, it's going to be because they uh, they frustrate. Jake Ottinger will frustrate this Avs team. Um, I'm going to go with the Stars. Don't ask me to explain myself. <laughs> I, I can't. Just, just the Stars? That's it? That's that's all I have. <laughs> all right. So easy pick there. Uh, we have one more game to talk about on the Sunday slate. The Golden Knights are going into Pittsburgh to face the Penguins. Um, I just wanted to touch on the Penguins a little bit because um, I know there's a lot of expectations going into this team, especially after they picked up Eric Carlson in the offseason. They suck. They do stink. <laughs> it is not looking good in Pittsburgh land. Um, really, outside of Avengi Malkin, um, this team is not performing to expectations. They can put up a lot of points. Uh, they have about, it looks like, six players right now who are in double-digit points, but that also comes with a uh, caveat that they have one of the worst defenses in all of the NHL right now. So, um, especially on Eric Carson's part. So, I am going to have to go with the Golden Knights here. Um, I this While, again, Pittsburgh is 7-6 and six right now, this is, again, not a good team right now. This team is aging right now. I'm, I'm not really sure why people were hype about this Carlson trade. I knew that this was not going to solve the major issues that Pittsburgh was having, and clearly it hasn't so far this year. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Golden Knights to win this one in Pittsburgh. 
I, I don't think you really have I really have to explain myself here. Um I think you know who exactly I'm gonna be going for here. Yeah. Um Stanley Cup champions. I mean they I mean there's no stopping them right now. Especially after like especially like two games like ago they lost the Kings four to one, but I mean they're gonna lose one they're gonna lose games, but um this team just don't I mean I'm not gonna ignore this team won the Stanley Cup last year and didn't lose anyone. It didn't lose any depth. <laughs> I feel like they only gained and no cup hangover, but yeah, nights all day. Nights all day. Penguins. Really? <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm not that dumb. Um, I'm going to go with Vegas on this one, and I'm going to go as far to say as it, it might be time for Sidney Crosby to hang up the skates. Oh, ooh, wow. He's no a, he actually he actually I, has not had that bad of a year. He's, at, he's at 15 points well, right now. I don't. We don't see that Sidney Crosby anymore. I, don't, I, I mean, you'll see those. I don't games, see him resigning. I feel like the Penguins aren't true. good enough to to warrant another you, Crosby contract. Could, could you see Crosby going to another team? No. I think if you think if they don't pick him up, he's gone. It's not. I. It's not even that I don't think they'll pick him up. It's that I don't think he'll resign. Really? I just think he's because he's getting older, and so he said he was going to wait till the end of his next contract and then debate retiring. He said they the core three want another cup. That is not on the horizon <laughs> for another five years. Yeah, for this team, I don't think this they're gonna going to be cup contenders anywhere. for a long time, and I don't think that Crosby can wait out <laughs> a cup with this team. You had your prime. Now it's time to let it. He's go. gonna be. He's gonna be limping <laughs> to, exactly. to the cup. Like you've won. You've won three. Next time he wins a cup, it's going to be as a Pittsburgh Penguins coach. <laughs> yeah, I it's this this Penguins team. It's it's just not moving anywhere, and so honestly, I got I got my questions about it. But of course, I don't really have my questions about the Golden Knights. So. All right, so that'll do it for us here on this week three slate of Behind the Mask. We will try to be back with you guys, of course, for week four, and of hopefully we can upload this week as well. Sorry again that we had problems or technical difficulties once again trying to upload next week but for now i'm your host oscar henderson along with my co-host sydney isham and cooper evans thank you guys so much for joining in with us and we will see you guys next week bye